This is the first podcast for the Journal of Family Planning and Reproductive Healthcare, a new journal from the BMJ Group. I'm Duncan Jarvis, a podcast producer, and I'm joined in the studio by the journal's editor and an author of a letter from the first edition to answer some questions about this new journal. Um, I'm Anna Sharefsky. I'm the editor of the Journal of Family Planning and Reproductive Healthcare. Uh, I'm Sam Hart. I'm uh, an associate specialist over at Margaret Pike Centre, um, which has always been in the forefront of uh, uh, family planning sexual health care. Sure. Now, in this first edition of the journal, you've written a letter, Sam. Could you just tell us what prompted you to do that? My colleagues know that I've always been passionately involved in u- the use of local anaesthetic for the fitting of intrauterine devices. Um, and that at Margaret Pike we've been fitting them since the early 70s. And whereas now it's much more fashionable, and in fact now we've actually got a push to make more people, and people includes doctors and nurses as well as the public, to be aware that there's something called LARC out there, and that's long-acting reversible contraception. Uh, Because at the faculty... Uh, it is now believed that some of the forms of long-acting reversible contraception are probably um, better for your health and certainly are more efficient at preventing pregnancy than the pill. Mm. And the British way of contraception usually is condoms, the pill, babies, and unfortunately, sterilisation. Sure, and you're kind of concentrating on pain relief uh, when fitting an IUD. Yes, when you fit an IUD, it can either be painless or painful. Uh, and there is some degree of pain in more than 50% of people that you insert coils in. Um, And of that more than 50%, um, some people have, and I quote, the worst pain I've ever had in my life. And the type of local anaesthetic I favour is what I'd call injectable local anaesthesia, which is injected into the cervix. It's a simple, immediate, safe, uh, and uh, painless thing to do. It doesn't hurt to give. What proportion of women are we talking about who actually have these devices fitted? Very small. Around about 6% of all women using contraception will use coils. So it's a tiny amount. Sure. And we think it should be more. So is pain relief a big barrier to to women taking up the IUD? I would think if we're trying to push women uh, into considering these other methods, and let's talk about the intrauterine methods, that it's kind of counterproductive from our point of view to have women out there, and thank God women talk to each other, saying even women who are happy with the method, oh yeah, you know, it's a great method, but boy, oh boy, it was really painful when I was put in. Oh, I'll have one of them then. I think not. You want women to be out there and say, yes, great method, and you know what? Uh, Other use local and it didn't hurt at all to put in. So as part of our push, it seems to me one very good reason from the medical uh, profession's point of view to offer pain relief. And I'm not talking about just the individual woman and why should we be causing pain? Are there any drawbacks for the patient and for, for the clinic perhaps about providing pain relief? Well, the first argument people make is it takes an extra five minutes to do it. And it might cost under eight pounds for the equipment and for the injection. That's the only drawback. So no, the answer is it doesn't make the procedure longer, doesn't take long to wear off, and the person isn't then reduced to a wreck when it's worn off. The use of local anaesthesia is a win-win situation. It has no drawbacks. It has all sorts of advantages. It's simple, it's safe, it's immediate. Are there any problems associated with it? I mean, 
particularly maybe young women who haven't had children. Traditionally, it's always been feared that if you fit an IUD, you could um, uh, compromise somebody's future fertility. And the way that worked was by getting an infection and by not counselling the woman to come back to the doctor, that infection could become chronic and she could damage her fallopian tubes. We are now very careful with all women, whether they've had babies or whether they're 16-year-old and, and, and never been pregnant, to tell them that in the first 21 days after the insertion, they are more likely to get infection. But that likelihood, because we know about chlamydia now and because we test and screen for chlamydia, uh, is incredibly small. It's about the same risk you have of dying under GA, this magical one in a thousand. Uh, and then we counsel the person afterwards so that if they are the one in a thousand, they come back to us, we cannot exclude pelvic infection and we treat them promptly. The chance of that damaging her future fertility is as close to zero as anything in a modern world. So we have a very different picture from that which we had many years ago. But people hang on to the knowledge of many years ago, and that's the difficulty we have. So that a lot of doctors would see, when they see a 17-year-old, oh my God, the last thing in the world I should give her is an IUD. Well, that might be the first thing. So is this all to promote IUDs as an optimal form of contraception? The faculty and the medical profession in general have been wanting to promote long-acting reversible contraception, of which intrauterine contraception is one part. Are there any other procedures where you know, an equivalent amount of pain um, is caused but that you don't give local anaesthetic? Well, Anne and might know about this, but I mean, things like hysteroscopy, um, terminations, um, biopsies to the cervix. We don't give local for biopsies, but do for loop treatments, large excision, large yeah. loop excision. Certainly use local for that. Yeah. yeah. And certainly most would use local for a hysteroscopy. Sure, so why isn't it the default? position to provide pain relief? If I'm being really kind of uh, cynical about it, it's because doctors think of themselves and not their patients, because they think, you know, I mean, really, and it is mostly male doctors who say to me, I am so good, I don't need local. And it really gets my goat, because it's not you getting the local. Lignocaine is a wonderful thing. Now, I just recently had an implant put in my maxilla, you know, and they banged and crashed and pulled a root out, and I didn't feel a thing because they used local. Now, there was a point in dentistry where local wasn't the default position. I remember, I'm old enough to remember as a kid going to a nice Jewish couple in Earl's Court who didn't use local for me. There came a point where local became the default position in dentistry. But we haven't reached that in this area, and I think we should. Now, when you say default position, you mean any woman can, of course, opt out of it. Any doctor and any woman, say you see somebody who's had five children, it may well be she doesn't need local. And you can discuss it and opt out. But we start from the position where you get this unless you say not. I think there's an added uh, issue that I think a lot of doctors don't actually know how to do it. And they're scared because they don't know how to do it. Because they're doctors, they don't want to admit they don't know how to do it. And where do you go then once you've admitted that you don't know how to do it? Because there isn't really an obvious place where you can just go and find out how to give a local anaesthetic to the cervix. And I think that is also quite a significant barrier, that people are scared because they don't really know what to do, but they don't really want to say so. And what we're using now for um, uh, injectable local anaesthesia is called intracervical anaesthesia and we're using uh, dental syringes with very fine needles so number one 
Most women don't feel it at all. At the worst, a woman will feel a tiny jab or a little dull ache. Uh, Intracervical anaesthesia is incredibly safe. And what gynaecologists used to use before, and what I used before, because I was trained by gynaecologists, was called paracervical block, which is far more dangerous. Uh, and this safety uh, is very important because we're now training nurse practitioners. And we came to this point of how are you going to train nurse practitioners to give local anaesthesia? Because I can see all sorts of problems with the RCN, with the colleges, getting nervous about insurance and so on and so on, and then the insurers won't insure them to give the local. But intracervical is incredibly safe. Very little can go wrong. I mean, I guess somebody can be allergic to lignocaine, but how many lignocaine allergies have you seen? I've not seen any in my time yet. Sure. Are you a lone voice on this? I don't think so. No, I think, um, but there is. there are two camps. There will be the other camp which will say that I'm being a complete wimp and I'm making a big fuss over nothing and so on. No, and I was interested when I, uh, this morning I, I, I talked at, uh, at Margaret Pike that some of my leaders uh, agreed wholeheartedly with me. Sure. I'm just putting it into words. So why was it you decided to publish this letter then, Anne? Well, I think as, a, as the editor of a journal, you have this kind of conflict where on the one hand you want your journal to be academically respectable and publish high-quality research and so on, but on the other hand you don't want to lose touch with your grassroots readers. And also I think we have to remember that at the heart of any medical journal there is actually a patient. And I think we have to remember that what we do is all about patients ultimately. And so it struck me that this topic was so patient-centred, it was, you know, how to make women happier, how to make an experience less painful and nasty for them. Mm. And so I feel that this is such a sort of such a core element of what a journal should be about, that we should actually be trying to improve life of people. And that's really, I think, why it caught my eye. Sure. And also something you were aware of before. Um, and yes, indeed. I, I also have uh, given lectures where I've actually asked people, you know, whether they use local anaesthetic. And again, as Sam says, they, they don't use it. And also you can almost see a sort of veil coming down between yourself and the audience as they go, local anaesthetic, no, no, we don't do that. Um, and, you know, because, and I think, to, to be honest, I think it is that they're scared and they, they think it's paracervical block because that's what they've heard of. And so they think, no, no, that's much too dangerous for me to do. And so they, they stop listening. So you actually have to wake them up again and say, it's not what you think it is. Mm. So I've also had this experience uh, like Sam. So you obviously both believe in this quite, uh, quite strongly. Who do you think should be taking a lead on, on changing the way practice is done? I personally don't feel my journal should be a sort of campaigning journal. I think my journal should provide a platform for people to state their views and to have scientific debate and, you know, to discuss what should be done. So I think the doctors in the field should be discussing what they want to do and taking the lead. And the journal should be providing the forum and the platform for them to do that. So it should be the doctors who are actually administering uh, IUDs that should be, hmm. should be taking up this, 
Well, and the people who train the doctors mm. too. And we train uh, at Margaret Pike. We're one of the prime training centres, but there'll be others. There's great centres in Liverpool, in Manchester, and they, they train their local doctors. And part of the training is now the giving of local anaesthesia. So that uh, people who are training now will be trained with that. And I have said for a long time that this is women we're dealing with. If we were going to insert a little device into men, men would demand a general anaesthetic and a week in hospital. Where should the, the colleges part in this be? That's for the Royal College to decide. Very good. <laughs> you know, I think neither of us are members of the Royal College. Um, so, you know, it's not for us to say, but... What I would hope is that the journal would provide a platform so that they could see what was being said and then they could make a decision based on all the sides of the argument. This is one very specific uh, issue, um, one which obviously uh, arouses some strong feeling. But what else is the, the journal going to have in it? My journal will take all aspects of family planning and reproductive health care. So I would actually hope that there will be a varied selection of topics and interests so that we can actually keep doctors and nurses, health professionals from all areas of the field interested. And I think that's one of the most difficult things to do because we are a specialist journal but in a specialty which actually has quite a wide field because we stray into sexually transmitted infections, we stray into infertility, we stray a little bit you know, into other areas. And there are actually journals that do nothing other than those areas. So we need to keep it so that we have enough of a mix that everybody is interested in something in the journal, so they pick it up and there's always going to be something there that will be interesting to them, while at the same time maybe opening their eyes to something that was a little bit peripheral to their vision, uh, but is also of interest. Well, Anne and Sam, thanks for joining us today. Thank Pleasure. you.